The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're recording this morning after the 2-2 draw away at, uh, well, I'll call them sport in Lisbon for the moment, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we'll be talking about that game as well as looking forward to a huge game on Sunday away at Fulham before the return at the Emirates next Thursday. I'm joined by James McNicholas and Adrian Clark. Morning. Hello. Morning. Hello, hello. Uh, I did mention there, sport in Lisbon, uh, they put out a press release. This week, stating that their name is categorically not Sporting Lisbon, <laughs> and they gave three options to call the club differently. I mean, I, I think it's leaving it a bit open-ended, but uh, there was three options. That is either Sporting Club de Portugal. I imagine that said in in, in slightly more of a Sporting Club de Portugal type accent. Uh, sporting CP or SCP. Anyway, we have been told. So in the same vein. Um, is there a name that people call you that you really don't like and you like to get off your chest? Or a name that you get called that you do like, James? Well, I, I don't really have nicknames anymore because James is a single-syllable name, you know, that you can't really shorten it much more than that. The Jamester? The Jamester, yeah. Jamer Rooney? J-Train. But people do occasionally <laughs> uh, shout Gunnerblog at me in the street. Uh, of course. I'm not going to put out a press release about it, but it is always a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> I think people shouting anything at you in the street yeah. is a little bit odd, Got to be honest. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Got to block the shout and point, and that's the end of the interaction, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, because you want to go, yes. And... No, that's it. It ends there. Yeah, they don't want to tell so me their ridiculous. name. They don't want to tell me how they are. They just want to point and shout. And that's fine. Uh, Adrian, uh, I mean, I guess you get Clarky quite a bit, but uh, is there anything you don't like? Yeah, it's kind of weird when people call me Adrian, to be honest. Pretty much everyone right. I know has always called me Clarky. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't like the Rev nickname, but we've kind of gone down that route before where, where writing nicknamed me the Reverend. And as a, as a young 20-year-old <laughs> that, that wanted to be cool, but knew he kind of wasn't. It wasn't uh, It wasn't the ideal nickname. I was, I was forever <laughs> protesting. Funny, I was like, no, I'm really rebellious. Honest, I'm, I'm a lad. Uh, I'm not. I'm not this reverend. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But probably the one description of me that stands out these days. Because uh, normally it's like former Arsenal midfielder, former Arsenal winger, tactics analyst, whatever. But when they chuck in former Carlisle and Rotherham winger, it, it, it grates on me badly because I was I was so rubbish for them, uh, and it, it just instantly makes you think, oh, please don't remember me. If there are any Carlisle or Rotherham fans out there. Yeah, please don't, uh, please don't remind me of how how badly those loan spells went. James, I mean, as as someone who didn't play football professionally, I would I would kill to be known as the former Carlisle and Rotherham winner. I know, right? You? I'd want that on my gravestone if it were me. But <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ian? I imagine people call you all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, you'd imagine correctly. I get called all sorts of things. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, not anymore. Uh, I, I mean, I'm now I'm stony. Everyone calls me stony, in fact. Uh, and I and I like that. And it, and that's the nickname you get. Although I did get called, I was in a writing room, a comedy writing room the other day, and I got called the governor. And uh, to be honest, I was pleased with that. I, I was, although it does... Mainly, it's older Cockney men who get called the governor. I, I think you get to a certain 
uh, you know, Ray Winston type age and you are the governor. But it, it was meant with affection and with, with a certain amount of respect. I'd like to think almost awed respect. And uh, I was very happy with it. But uh, yeah, that I, I, Stony is is what I get called now. And again, I'm not sending out a press release. If I want something else, I'll just <laughs> mention it to people. I, I, yeah, was doing the, I was doing the show last night, The Breakdown Live, and was given these instructions in capital letters on our running order. And Q, honestly, the first time I mentioned it, Sporting Lisbon, just came out. So um, it just it's always the way, isn't it? Do we know why, by the way, they want to change their name? Do we, do we have I, I think any it's idea? like calling us Arsenal London. They're just like, well, that's not what we called. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we know, uh, but consider us told, SCP. We take the 2-2 now back to London and try to finish the game there. We got a slightly fortuitous away draw. SCP 2, Arsenal 2. Now we started, it just sounds weird, didn't it? Anyway, really a fortuitous draw, but it gives us a decent chance of getting through at the quarterfinals, assuming we don't pick up any further knocks. The starting lineup, uh, Adrian... Uh, Turner, White, Saliba, Kivior, Zinchenko, Vieira, Jorginho, Xhaka, uh, Saka, Martinelli and Nelson. Six changes in the Bournemouth game. I think this tells us all we need to know about our priorities at this point of the season. Yeah, look, Mikel Arteta's priorities are, are in line probably with the supporters, aren't they? It's the, the title is the one. That's where we need to be putting our, our best 11 out in. For, for us this year, the Europa League is different. Before... It became the priority because we were struggling so much to get into the top four. It became the be-all and end-all. And there was a lot of pressure on us to to, to win it and to get into the Champions League. This time around, we, we, we genuinely can have some fun with it and and see where it takes us. Let's try to get through, but not at the expense of burning out all of our star players. So I think the balance of the team was about right. I said that ahead of kickoff last night. I, I said it's a kind of... Uh, level of rotation that I would have gone for. I don't think we could have gone much further given given how light we are up top at the moment um, in forward areas. So, yeah, no, no arguments with, with the team selection. But what you get is clearly a, a dip in the fluidity of the, of the performance. You know, we don't move the ball as sharply and we're not quite as solid without the ball. And I, I think those elements were definitely on showing the game. Yeah, Um I mean, also, by the way, the substitutes bench, James, uh, Ramsdale, Partey, Gabrielle Smith-Rowe, Holding and Tommy Asu, but also names that you may not be familiar with, Bandera, Hilson, Sago Jr., Smith and Walters. Uh, and as Adrian said, not a lot of attacking depth on there. No. I'm glad you didn't ask me for an in-depth biography of all those players. I was thinking <laughs> I'm in big trouble here. But um, I, 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 yeah. I think that bench was used quite effectively, to be honest. You know, the game threatened to become really chaotic and end-to-end. And in that last 20 minutes or so, Arteta put Thomas Partey on the pitch, put Gabrielle on the pitch. Tommy Asu, I thought, came on and actually did really well. Good performance for him, him bouncing back after the weekend. And I thought that Arsenal looked a lot more solid in that final period. And it was almost as if Arteta was saying, sort of, enough of this silliness. Uh, Let's get out of here with a a decent result, which I think an away draw in a two-legged tie uh, is a very decent result. And I think Arsenal should be pretty confident from what I've seen and given that they're going to have a couple of suspensions uh, of going through in this round. Yeah, quite. I mean, I'll tell you what, before we get into any further analysis, uh, Art de Roche was in Lisbon at the game and he sent us this voice note. Hi guys, Art here at um, the Lisbon airport where I 
had to pack all my coats and hoodies into one carrier bag because basically I left when it was snowing and then it was sunny all all day. But yeah, here's <laughs> kind of my thoughts on the game uh, last night, which was very strange. It just felt like Arsenal were just a bit too hesitant in certain moments, um, which has been a theme of the past few weeks, I feel, where, again, both goals, there's just some split-second decisions that aren't made that um, gave Sporting the advantage in certain um, moments and situations. And, yeah, looking at a game from, I guess, the press box, you just kind of were hoping those things don't creep up again uh, in the Premier League. Obviously, there were six changes, I believe, um, so that has to be taken into consideration. But, um, yeah, you just hope it doesn't kind of slide and that they're able to kind of uh, just get back into their own rhythm because Mikel Teta did also say after the game that they've played a lot of emotional games. And even though last night's was quite strange, <laughs> there was that 10 minutes of madness, really. So you want to kind of get back to the point where Arsenal are in a bit more control of games and hopefully that can come against Fulham. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see where we go from from last night, really. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we've all made the mistake with the clothing, haven't we? I mean, I went up to Manchester. I did it the other way around. I went up to Manchester. Beautiful sunny day when I left London. This is years ago. And by the time I got up there, it was snowing and I was, I was wearing a T-shirt. And uh, even as a young person, it was a bit much, uh, to be honest. That hesitancy, Adrian... That's what you were talking about, really. The the those changes, it it just means we're not playing the the sort of liquid football, the the telepathic stuff, because players are not in quite the right places. It's only five or ten yards out, but that's all it takes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and and players take the extra touch maybe where they where they don't need to. Sporting to their credit, did I get that right? I think so. Uh, yeah, Sporting to Clue. Yeah, it's all right. uh, they they. They pressed us quite well and, and they caused us one or two issues. They gave everything into the, they put everything into the game. Well, it's a huge game for them, isn't it? Exactly. They're playing, they're playing the Arsenal and, yeah. uh, sorry, Arsenal London, as we now want to call them. And, uh, <laughs> no, but they are, it's a bigger game for them than it is for us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some of our choices, uh, weren't great. We, we lost the ball in bad areas for sure. And the midfield, so, I mean, every time Thomas Partey is missing, you, you do notice it. I know that Jorginho came in and, and did a terrific job for, for two or three games. But in this game, because it became frantic, because it became stretched and end-to-end, that really is where you, you see the difference between Jorginho and Partey from an athletic point of view. When the match is congested, when all of the players are within... 30, 40 yards of one another. Jorginho's dynamite and, and he, he's there, he's ratting around, he's doing everything. When it gets pulled apart, when you see a lot of open spaces, that's where his lack of pace comes into play. And we did see that a couple of times um, where players run off him and they, they carried that threat on the counter. And, and that will be the same at Emirates Stadium in the return leg. So I don't think the tie's done and dusted. I think no. they will, I mean, they won 4-0. In the, in the qualifying round, away from home, having drawn uh, one apiece with Midgetland in, in that tie. So they're a decent away outfit and, and I think they're capable of scoring in that away leg, in, that, in our leg at home. So we've um, got to be careful. It's tall order winning away at Midgetland. 
Uh, um, I mean, if ever there's a team that wants to be called something different, surely it's Midget Land, not Sporting Lisbon. <laughs> Apparently they're fine with it. Apparently they are fine with it, but uh, we might be hearing uh, differently uh, shortly. <laughs> um, James, uh, I did see a tweet you did yesterday um, when you talked about, because uh, somebody had t- uh, tweeted the fact that Thomas Partey had been called up uh, for the international break by uh, Ghana, and you said it's a no from me. Yeah. I mean, he makes such a difference. Every time he comes on, he slows the game down, doesn't he? If if we're out, but well, does he slow the game down? It just seems to be he's more in control of the game than any other any of our other central midfielders, good as they are. I think that's fair, and you know, a great a sort of great example of that was recently. Was it the Everton game where he came on at half time? Um, and, you know, the game state changed. Arsenal had got two goals in that first half, and that obviously affects how things play out on the pitch. But the degree of control that he was able to exert in central midfield, I thought his role in the comeback against Bournemouth as well was pretty significant. I think if he had a couple of defensive lapses, maybe that helped them get their goals, he was pretty instrumental in the way Arsenal came back into the game. He is a really important player for the team at this point in time. And I, I agree with Adrian that while Jorginho, I think, has shown his qualities, when the game becomes stretched, when it's played over bigger spaces, yes. Partey inevitably uh, is better in those situations. And that last 20 minutes, I thought, was uh, really indicative of that against Sporting. A uh, couple of... Um, I mean, Zinchenko uh, uh, was quite heavily involved in quite a lot of the, the big moments. I mean, there was a quite a funny moment watching him uh, arguing with uh, Sebastian Quates. Uh I, I can't... It's hard for me not to say Coates. It's written as Coates, but I know there's an accent on the E, so it's uh, Quates. Um And and Quates was towering over him, but Zinchenko is up for the fight. His pass, his poor pass out to Reese Nelson, I thought it was a poor pass that led to the shot, the corner, and then the goal. Um I mean, he plays he plays quite high risk passes, doesn't he, Adrian? And he's gonna we're gonna get caught out, but I didn't think that was a particularly difficult one, and uh, and he just overhit it. It comes, yeah, but it comes with the territory of being brave. If you want your players to be brave on the ball, you want them to take chances. When they occasionally mess up, you can't bury them, can you? For it, I mean, there are so many no. risky uh, passes that he plays between players that that come off that turn defence into attack in the blink of an eye. I think the positives massively outweigh the negatives with, with Zinchenko. Although I, I t- totally agree with, with James. Um, or can I call him Gunnerblog um, today? Um, yeah, I agree with Gunnerblog really, um, yeah. when his assessment of uh, Tommy Asu as that sort of um, inverted left-back or someone that comes on basically to shut down danger down the right-hand side. I thought he did a really, really good job at it. And, and off the back of being... Looked going forward as well. Yeah, looked, he did. Looked good going forward He looked all right, well. didn't he? Um, on yeah. the back of getting hooked at half-time in the previous game, where despite the euphoria of the win, he would have personally felt, I've let myself down there. You know, he could yes. have, His confidence could have dipped. I love the fact that Mikel doesn't hold that against him he's like no get back out there son and get, you know I, I believe in you I need you to do this for us tonight and he did he, he did the job that was asked of him superbly in my opinion yeah we're letting in goals from set pieces James it is happening a fair bit I mean I don't know quite what Kivio was doing at the corner but 
free header from five yards out. Obviously, the goalkeeper maybe takes some blame for that. But it's um, is it a worry? Is it a worry going forward? I think it. I think it definitely is. And Mikel Arteta was quite clear about that in his post-match press conference. He said, you know, we need to cut this out if we're going to keep winning games. Um, obviously, it's different personnel last night, but it is a concern. And I thought it was a strange one, the, the corner that we did concede. If you watch it back and you sort of play it quite slowly, it appears there is a shout from somewhere. But who it is, I don't know. Because it almost looks like a miscommunication between Turner and Kivio. Kivio yep. really ducks out of the challenge, which is very unusual for a centre-half. So... I think we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt, really, on his Arsenal debut and assume that he heard something that made him think that was the right call. I, I don't know. What did you make of it, Adrian? Yeah, it was... Do you know what? I think something that's probably been overlooked when people have been discussing this goal is why is there a free runner? And, and the, the runner is free because they've run off Martinelli. And Martinelli normally doesn't occupy one of the man-marking spots. Those three guys in front of the zonal guys in the six-yard box... They're there to to mark, okay? And he's he was asked to do that role because he's playing striker, and he's not used to it. And he, he let he let the guy run run off him. So that that is problem number one. And then it did look like there was a slight miscommunication between Turner and Kivior. I, I like you say I don't he wouldn't duck unless he hears a shout. And if there's a shout, Turner's got to come. But in the same breath, I, I don't want to be too harsh on Turner because that was a great ball in. It was a quite a low. It was a, really it was a ball, low yeah. trajectory at pace. I'm not convinced if he went for it that he would have got there. You know no, because because no. he couldn't have caught it. There's no way he could have caught it. It was too low. So he no. would have had to literally punch someone's head off if he didn't get the ball. So I would pin it more on Martinelli personally than than the two that are getting the getting the blame for it. But but. Three minor mistakes add up to one big mistake and that's why we conceded. It is a worry. Too many times it's happening of late where where opponents are coming up with routines that, that get players free from corners. So we've got to work on it. And I'm sure that they will work on it. And and it's it's a major concern ahead of Fulham away because of because of Mitrovic uh, and and you know the threat he carries in the air. So yeah, I'm a I'm a bit nervous about corners whenever the opposition get one at the moment. I think that's a good point about Mitrovic and they've got players who can deliver a good set piece as well. Our, our old friend Willian is, is among them. But I wonder as well, is this a consequence of what happens when you are a team that dominate open play to the extent that Arsenal do? I think it's inevitable that opponents are going to say, well, where can we make the gains? Where can we have the advantage? Yeah. And I think the likes of Bournemouth, Everton, Sporting have clearly planned for that and executed it really well. And I think it's, in a funny way, it's, it's a compliment because it's them saying, well, this is probably one of our best scoring chances in the game. But it's something Arsenal have to be wise to and have to work on. And it is curious only because prior to the World Cup, we had such a good defensive record at set pieces. Yeah, I've had enough of compliments, if that's the way it works, to be <laughs> honest with you. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm happy for you to, uh, to not think that much of us. Martinelli... Uh, uh, Great run! What a and goal that, was, that would have been! Uh, what a, what a goal that would have been! That would have been uh, from further back. He was only just outside the eighteen yard box when he set off. And uh, I, off I think I don't know if you did this, but when I was in the studio with, with uh, Nick Bright, I went Chelsea. 
He's going to do yeah. a Chelsea. It did feel like that. It did have a little bit of the Chelsea about it. Uh, didn't score, but he's looking dangerous again. Uh, scoring goals and and uh, he did miss a couple of chances last night, but strikers do. Um, one thing they said before we move on from the game, they were talking about a breathless encounter. It was a little bit breathless until Tommy uh, uh, until Thomas Partey uh, came on and uh, calmed things down. Um, while we're on the subject of breathlessness, uh, I haven't spoken to uh, either of you since the um, ridiculous uh, <laughs> game at Bournemouth. James, you apparently died uh, at the game. I, uh, I was very sorry for our loss uh, after the game. and I saw your little message uh, on Twitter. Um, the FA are uh, going to, I don't know, investigate us. Investigate us after the celebrations against us. What's to investigate? We won 3-2 with three goals in the last half an hour. Investigate away. I think you might have found the cause of those celebrations, uh, to be honest with you. Um, Adrian, you sent us a message after the game. Now we got you here. We don't want to win like that every time, right? We really, really don't. But as a player in that situation, I mean, the fans went crazy. The players went crazy as well. Is it, it I mean, obviously it's a positive thing, but really we'd rather be winning 2 0 and comfortably keeping teams out, right? Yeah. And hopefully that's, think, good, that's going to be around the corner with the games that are coming up. Uh, it can't be like that all of the time. I did read a stat that no title winners have ever scored uh, more than three 90th minute winners in a campaign. And uh, we're at three we're at already, three. aren't we? So, yes. so we've sort of used up our, our criteria, you know, our quota is the word. We've used up our quota of, of dramatic injury time winners maybe. But yeah... <sighs> I think overall it's got to be seen as a positive that, that we they keep, keep battling back, keep don't now. they? I mean, that's why I, when, I, when I did the breakdown of the game, I, I kept going back to what I loved most about the performance and that was the desire to win. At 2-0 down, they, were no, it was just, they just wanted to win the game and they believed they could win the game and they kept going until they did win the game. It was wave after wave after wave of attacks. It, it was phenomenal. And on the celebrations, just very briefly, the, it, it was the greatest advert for the Premier League. That, that moment, you know, the images, the still images, the video images. It, it's what following football, playing football, being a coach is all about those moments, those special moments. It, you know, if, if we end up getting punished for that, and I know you have to have rules about certain people can't enter the field of play, but if we get punished for that, it's just madness, really, because that was the perfect advert for the Premier League and for football as a sport. Nothing. I can't think of anything, really, that that can make 60,000 people go bonkers in a moment of, of, of ecstasy at the same time in such an unexpected way. It's it's glorious. It's to be celebrated. And millions. And millions around the world. Absolutely. We talked about this yeah. on the pod. All those, all those videos from people around the world, people in Cambodia jumping in pools. Oh no, they should, in Africa, they should be punished. Their trousers people. falling yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James, I mean, you talked about, you wrote the piece about emotion, and we uh, we talked about it quite extensively on the pod. There is nothing else that can really uh, uh, send you that way, like like football. Uh, but. <sighs> it, is it too much too soon? I mean, this is a question I wanted to ask. I know Gary Neville's been going on uh, uh, on one of the uh, on on TV about how it's too much. We're getting too excited too soon. Do you think that's true? Or in the end, listen, we get we came back from two 0 down. It is what it is. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Arteta actually, as Art said, uh, mentioned after the game last night, Arsenal played a lot of emotional games recently. Uh, Gary Neville, I heard him say that when the celebrations at Aston Villa, I think he described them as a bit too desperate. But I don't know if you can be too desperate to win a Premier League. And Arsenal are desperate. It's been 20 years, the best part of, since they won a title. And I don't think you can underestimate what this means to this group of players. And it's just that double-edged sword, isn't it? it? I think that's a huge part of what's fueling them, what's driving them on, which is pushing them to, to do it, to get over that line. But I don't doubt that there is a kind of emotional and psychological toll to that. And and, and I can't say uh, how it ends, unfortunately. I've got no idea. It's It's sort of... <laughs> Can't you? <laughs> we were hoping. We were hoping you would come on today and tell us how it all ends. I know. Sorry, be... guys. No <laughs> spoilers. Who's never to tell us how we should or shouldn't feel anyway? I mean, Who's anyone? Just, Who's anyone just, to tell us how we should or shouldn't feel? You just feel, feel what you feel, don't you? And, and, yeah. and that's, yeah. you know, I, agree. I, I mean, I feel sorry for supporters, really, in a way that, that win a league or win a huge game and just feel the emotion of standing up and clapping, you know, it's because yeah. it's so normal to them. It, it it takes away that, you know, those moments of euphoria. It's, I don't know. It's, I think it's interesting as well, because we're up against a team in Man City and a fan base in Man City, which, I mean, they won't appreciate me saying this, but maybe a little bit sort of spoiled by success. You know, there's a kind of uh, ennui about their... Um, multiple title victories and you know their lack of engagement with the Champions League and things like that I do think it's a really stark counterpoint to what's happening at Arsenal and I think it's logical maybe for some pundits to look at that and think well you know that's because winning is part of their behaviour and something they'll automatically do but I don't know you know it doesn't always play out like that and I don't think you could take the emotion out of this for Arsenal and and them still be in the hunt, if you see what I mean. I think it's as think much emotion, a help as a yeah. hindrance. Yeah, the emotion is what's fueling them, really. That 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 Definitely. that togetherness between the fans and the coaching staff and the team, it feels like a, a, a very together club, and that emotion is, is what is carrying us forward. I mean, you don't get last-minute winners uh, without help from the crowd. I mean, the crowd at Aston Villa were, were, were getting right behind them, and we were pushing and pushing. I love the fight in this team. And by the way, we came back from 2-1 down last night as well. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, we, want, we want some ice-cool victories. We want some really professional um, three-point halls where, where there's no drama. Of course we do. And I'm sure there will be a few of them. But but yeah, if if, if, if the match is dramatic, it's going to to make you emotional. And I don't think there's anything anything wrong with that. Look, any, I, in the same breath, I wouldn't, Hammer Manchester United for the way that they celebrated winning the Carabao Cup because it no, they hadn't won absolutely. a trophy for ages and and they got every right to dance around and, and and be joyous even if some people will look at them and think oh it's only the League Cup mate calm down like I, I just think it meant a lot to them and I understand it and for that reason go go wild it's fine yeah yeah uh, and listen the celebration police I mean they. I don't know, they should probably get regular seats now at the Arsenal They're gonna because they'll be watching us celebrate wildly, hopefully, every game. One place they won't need to go, of course, is Tottenham. <laughs> 
Oh, no, 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 the celebration police. We don't need that seat. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Um, uh, by the way, it, it, how, I mean, it's only... How long ago was it? It's about eight, nine months ago that Tottenham pipped us for fourth place. It seems like a lifetime, doesn't it, really? Uh, quite the turnaround. And long may that continue. Uh, this is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search the Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, James McNicholas and Adrian Clark in full Arsenal gear, by the way. I have to say, I haven't mentioned. I, I really Abby. like... I mean, you what? I did it for Abby because she, she, she <laughs> spotted this hoodie that I was wearing uh, on something else I did. And she said, I hope you'll be wearing that for the podcast. So, you know. It's I've, a yeah. beautiful looking thing. It's, uh, <laughs> what year is that, by the way? Is that, no, this, is, uh, this, is, this, is, um, this is Club Merch. Current. You can get this currently. It's got the old school Adidas there. It's my red hoodie with a, with a cannon. Yeah, you can get this in the club shop. Um, it's really, yeah, really get, nice. They they sort of want me to wear this kind of clobber for the shows, um, <laughs> but yeah. So, but why not wear it in everyday life? Every now and again, it's a good, it's a good look. If you're listening uh, to this, I am, which people generally do. I'm sorry that you can't see it. Maybe we'll post a picture. I've also got, uh, the I got a bobble hat on because it's. I just did the school run and it was snowy. Because um, he couldn't get his hair. hair done. Didn't do my hair. So, uh, listener, <laughs> <laughs> James, I'm not gonna. Anyway, uh, Fulham v Arsenal. Uh, Fulham v Arsenal on Sunday. Um, this was one of those games, wasn't it? Again, we went behind in the game at the Emirates, and this was wasn't this the game, James? And you can remind me if uh, uh, when the, it was almost the first time when the crowd went. Don't worry about it. Don't. What was this? Uh, William Saliba's own goal. I can't remember. It might have been another game. No, it crowd... was uh, Mitrovic. I think scored for Fulham. Uh, but it was a mistake, wasn't it, by Gabriel? By uh, Gabriel, yes, perhaps. He gave the ball maybe it was away, that yeah. one. Yeah, gave yeah. the ball away. Mitrovic scored, and the crowd went, "Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. We'll be fine." And we came back to win two one. But this was a tough, tough game, and they are doing very well at this year, Fulham. They are. They are. They're really exceeding expectations. I think they've got a very able coach who, you know, will have been watching Arsenal in recent weeks and look to exploit any vulnerability there. And I think Mitrovic is just such a handful, as Adrian mentioned. You know, he is a real physical force, powerful, dominant in the air. I, I think having Gabriel back in the side is going to be really important because, you know, when he gets drawn into those duels, he, more often than not, he comes out on top and Saliba's got the cool head. I think that battle between our centre-halves and their centre-forward is going to be a pretty pivotal one on the day. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, you're nodding along. Um 
James mentioned our old friend Willian. He's playing really, really well for them. He basically looks like the player that we hope we'd have that we'd have hoped that we'd have bought, uh, but it didn't turn out that way. Um, but he's looking dangerous for them. They've got some danger. Also, uh, Manuel Solomon, this uh, Israeli forward, who keeps coming on and scoring from the bench. He's got I don't know four and four or something like that. They're a decent team, aren't they? They're a very, very decent team. Um, no one would have predicted they'd be where they are in the division. They've been excellent. Top loved, West London club. I've, yeah, <laughs> I think Brentford are above them at the moment. But Oh, are they? Yeah, right. but, but they're having a cracking campaign and it's, they've had an attacking mindset. And that's been that's been really, really positive. Uh, Manuel Sol- Solomon has got an 80% conversion rate. He's scored, <laughs> he's scored with all but one of his shots so far, yeah. four out of five. So don't let him shoot, I think is the message. And and you know what? In regards to, to Willian or, or the fullbacks, Kenny Tete or Anthony Robin- Robinson, stop the crosses. If ever there was a game to work extra hard to stop crosses... It is this one, and uh, because Mitrovic is very, very clever in the positions he takes up on the sort of blind side of, of centre halves, and he gets a run on them. And once he gets a run on a centre half, doesn't matter if it's Gabriel and Saliba, or even the two of them together, he's good enough to to get on the end of crosses. So yeah, that's the fear. The boost is Joao Palinha being suspended. That Terrific helps. player. They just don't have anyone. It's a bit like us losing Partey, really. They don't have anyone to cover him, really. So I would expect us to control central midfield. Um, and, and look, hopefully we we can get some, you know, strikers out on the pitch. I mean, that's the other concern, isn't it? In terms of who's going to be fit enough to feature in the game. Yes. I, I doubt Trossard will, if that's a muscle injury. Eddie's, I don't know what Eddie and Ketty's problem is um, ankle it's an ankle problem yeah so yeah just we know we don't know it depends yeah whether he could be strapped up or not but we do look a little bit light up top so it's yeah it'd be nice to get one of those guys and and maybe even gabriel jesus uh, some kind of involvement yeah at the time of recording by the way fulham are ahead uh just to let you know i've been i've been informed by uh, Abby, our producer. They are ahead. I think Brentford do have games in hand. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, listen, we know it's a, it's a tough uh, game uh, against them. I mean, in the end, is this when the season starts now, James, do you think? And what I mean by that is, now that we've got Europa League as well, you know, Thursday, Sunday, and, we, and this is when we find out how good the squad is. I think it's a different challenge, for sure. 12 games to go now for Arsenal in the Premier League. And I do think that, you know, we've had weeks where we've played twice, but that thing of going abroad and coming back, it is a different task. And the squad is stretched in some areas, particularly up top. And I thought you could see against Sporting in the final moments, I thought Ben White looked really fatigued to me, struggling to get back. Um, Kai Saka played 90 minutes. Gabriel Martinelli played 90 minutes. None of that's ideal really. Um, so I think we, we need someone back in forward areas sooner rather than later. I mean, the one that's fascinating is Jesus. You know, how soon can they get him back on a pitch? There was some talk that he might make the trip to Portugal. He's obviously been involved in team training this week, stepping up his recovery. Could he be in the squad even for Sunday? What sort of lift would that give the fans, but also the players? I mean, He's just such a pivotal figure in the first half of the season. I almost think that, I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, but I I really think Arsenal deserve more credit than they've received for how they've coped without him. In that 
you know, they had 14 games with him uh, and Sunday will be their 13th without if he doesn't play. And they've maintained across that period their lead at the top of the table. They've used Nketiah, they've used Trossard, they've used Martinelli. We saw Fabio Vieira do about 15 minutes up top last night. They have managed that situation so well. And I think we've been so fixated on the title and game by game, week by week. Probably some of us have forgotten quite how transformative and how good Jesus was in that first half of the season. If he can come back, and it is a considerable lift because this is a significant injury, at anything like his best level, it will be a huge, huge lift for the team. Yeah, I mean... James, uh, uh, sorry, Adrian. I mean, you were just nodding along there. Really, right, he yeah. has. I mean, he's he's an, he's been a, an absolutely fantastic addition to the team, to the club, uh, and it feels like the lessons that he he brought along have been learnt by the other forwards to a certain extent. The way that they play, the way that we play, uh, is 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 partly down to the way that he plays. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah, he can't come back quick enough, our, can he, really? Yeah, our DNA of centre-forward is Gabriel Jesus now. That's yeah. So everyone's trying to mimic him. This is probably why Trossard came in for Eddie Nketiah for the games that he did, because it brought out the best in Martinelli. And then it may be distracted from Saka on the other side, where you know teams don't... Uh, I can't focus just on him. It, he is hugely important. I, I would echo what James says. And um, I cannot wait to see him back. That video of him skipping around in the in the, in the the training, going to, to to tackle players was brilliant, wasn't it? Oh, you know, there's no yeah. holding back. So that tells me he, he must be close. And I think, yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be glorious to see him potentially on the bench for the Fulham game, or if not that, the, the sporting game. Yeah, he... he he would give us a lift at just the right time, especially with with uh, Nketiah and Trossard struggling with injury. Uh, one other person who's come back to the club, uh, Cesc Fabregas, has, uh, it looks like he's going to come back to coach the under-18s. This whole through line, James, that we have with players like Per Mertesacker, like Jack Wilshire, like Cesc, who used to play for the club, obviously like our, our manager at present and like our sporting director as well. People who, who know the club, who, who get what Arsenal is about, this stuff is all to the positive, isn't it? And Cesc, I mean, can you imagine being a, a kid and learning from Cesc Fabregas? Yeah, fantastic. Right through to the post-match analysis that Adrian provides Arsenal DNA all the way through the club <laughs> but I, I do I am happy to see Cesc I'm back I'm so sorry Adrian I really apologise for missing out there <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I uh, am happy to see Cesc back it's so interesting he did be interview with BBC uh, I think with Chris Kamara and yes. he was talking about his departure from Arsenal and coming back and he's still a divisive figure Cesc you know you still see a lot of people saying you know they're not happy with the way he left or the fact that he went to Chelsea Personally, uh, I've got very fond memories of his time at Arsenal and I think he's clearly always had a brilliant football brain and I think having him back, even in this kind of casual capacity working at the academy, is a really positive thing. Quite. Um, let's have a song before we go. James, what have you got? Well, based on <laughs> some of our sort of defensive lapses of late, I've gone for Fix Up, Look Sharp by Dizzy Rascal because I think Arsenal will need to fix up and look sharp at Craven Cottage on Sunday yeah I think they will uh, Adrian what about you yeah, I found a song um, the lyrics are, are unbelievably apt um, it's a song I don't know where the song comes from it's by an artist called Jordan Fellis it's called 
Jesus is coming back. <laughs> I'll read you some of the lines. So keep your head up. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. No, don't you give up. Hey, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when the world gets complicated, we're going to keep on celebrating. Very apt. Because we know. Nice. Yeah, we know. Jesus is Jesus. coming back. He's coming back. back. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, big Arsenal fan, apparently, that artist. Huge Arsenal fan, so that's uh, nice to know. And uh, I've gone, because uh, the Europa League, I mean, I'm trying to care. And I did watch the game, and but I, in the end, it's all about the weekend for me now. Every weekend. And so I've gone, it's very on brand, I've gone for the jam. Uh, here comes the weekend. We shall see on Sunday. Uh, that's it for uh, the podcast. Thanks to James. Thank you to Adrian. Thanks to Abby, our producer. And thank you, listener. And enjoy the game Sunday. This is Handbreak Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. See ya.